In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what His body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life Changing Talk Radio, 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm director of ministry for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Folks, can I tell you, I never cease to be amazed at who God calls and empowers and uses to help bring good and healing into this world. We're talking to someone today who is doing just that, who's doing the work of God to help and heal and support our law enforcement officers, to help remove the stigma of mental health issues that that many, many folks have through education, and to advocate for benefits for those suffering with post-traumatic stress, and to really acknowledge the service and sacrifice of law enforcement officers that we have unfortunately lost to suicide. And beyond that, to bring awareness to all of these things. You know what? This hits, and I shared this with our guest earlier, this hits especially close to home for me because I have a son at a police academy in Florida right now, and uh, I can't say that I ever worry or have super anxiety, but that may change. I mean, Mm. because it's, I guess, a concern, right? So let's talk about it. Hey, we always do that. And my good buddy, my good friend, yes, you are still that, brother. Pastor Brian Bales, good to see you, man. Hey, glad to be here. Glad to serve in this capacity, uh, sitting in here today. Lots of times I find myself behind the pulpit there at Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, so it's great to get a little bit of break. But it's I'm also you great— you that since I forgot. Well, no, that's fine. Uh, I, I think what reason why I was bringing that up is, is the subject that we're going to talk about today is a very, very important, important subject Amen. that Amen. too often Christians and churches as well handle it poorly— Yes. Whether by the yes. way they address it or acting like it doesn't exist at all, it, yes. right? Yes. And in dealing with that, and so I'm I'm really encouraged by the path we're going to walk down today. And Amen. I'm specifically uh, feel good right here. We have Trooper Michael J. McSellers uh, in the studio with us. I want to tell you a little bit about him. He served our country as a United States Marine Corps veteran. Now, I want to stop here real quick. Dennis, I made a big mistake one time, and I met someone who had served and was a veteran from the Marines, and I used the term former Marine. Oh, man. They are never former I Marines. I I made that I've mistake that 20 years ago, and I've never <laughs> forgotten because I felt a little, a little bit like I had to say, sir, yes, sir. After I was reminded of that, uh, but he has served the Commonwealth of Virginia as a law enforcement officer for over 14 years. He's currently serving in the Northern Virginia area. Uh, he served for over 13 years as a field training officer. He's a member of the Honor Guard. He's also served over three years as a chaplain. He's been the coordinator for the annual Rise Christian Police Conference and speaker held during the National Police Week of the past three years. He's also the host of a podcast, and I hope you will uh, look it up, titled Faith on the Force. That's Faith on the Force. 
and he's a speaker for Billy Graham's National Law Enforcement Retreat. Very cool. Uh, Trooper McSellers, Very thanks cool. for being here in studio with us today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here, and it's a blessing to be here to be able to talk to you guys about this very important issue. Yeah, well, hopefully after you spend time with us, he still thinks it's an honor, because sometimes that changes a little bit. Uh, we like to have fun, <laughs> yeah, even we when we're talking he about... He doesn't leave and say, gosh, those guys are yeah. crazy. We like to have fun, even when we're talking <laughs> about serious subjects, right? And today sure. is a serious sure. subject. And uh, off mic, I asked Trooper McSellers how he wants me to refer to him. So after this point, he said, Michael's good. So I uh, want to show the respect due to what you've done and what you continue to do. Amen. But Michael, uh, you are a board member of an organization called Blue Help. You can go to bluehelp.org to find out more about it. But why don't you, since we have you right here, tell us a little bit about that organization. Uh, it's a phenomenal organization. Um, what we do is we uh, deal with families that deal with police officers that lost their life uh, by suicide. Um, we assist them in, in the avenues as far as benefits and things of that nature. But we also provide education about PTSD and PTSI in law enforcement. And then we also uh, try to assist police officers that may be struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSI and try to help them navigate through that process and just bring awareness and just surround up these families because they're usually left out. You know, there's yeah. no one really attending to these families that lose a police officer by by uh, suicide and that we're there to provide assistance to them the best way that we can. The helpers oftentimes don't get help when they need it. Right. And they're used to serving that way. And then when they're in the place of being served, sometimes it's missing. Now, for those people who may not be familiar with the with what we're talking about, I think PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, may be something that's a more common thought process. You mentioned PTSI. Tell us what that is real quickly. It's post-traumatic stress injury. Okay, Um, it's it's something that's an it's an injury that can be healed. Okay, Um, meaning that as you continue to heal and go through, you know, medical resources, you can be healed from that. Right. That doesn't have to stay a part of your life forever. So when we're talking about this subject, I think it could be easy for people to think, well, why do we even need to talk about this? So let, let's just tackle that right now. Why this attention to, to mental health for law enforcement? Why is this so important? When we think about mental health issues, when we think about trauma, we think a lot of times about the military. You mm-hmm. hear stories of military personnel going overseas and, and serving a country has been exposed to traumatic events. Well, police officers on a regular basis are exposed to traumatic events every day. Yes. Right. Uh, last year yes. alone, we lost 228 police officers to suicide. That was reported to our organization, Blue Help. Now, we know that there's more police officers that's committed suicide, but that's just the numbers that we have. Now, you think about that. A suicide is the number one death for police officers. Yeah, I, w- I want to pause there, all right, because I don't think I think you just said something really powerful that most people wouldn't think about until they heard that. Right. When we think about uh, police officers, we would probably assume that they lost their life in the line of duty or maybe a secondary due to the stress of it. They lost it due to a health condition that came due to stress or that sort of stuff. But what you're saying is that that's actually not the case. Uh, you, you use more lives to not knowing uh where to get resources and help for the difficulty of that job, and they take their own life, right? That's correct. You know, you combine the numbers together, uh, car crashes, getting shot in the line of duty, and any other tragic, tragic well, dying in law enforcement, suicide is their number one uh, wow. death. And a lot of that has to do with the stigma, being able mm-hmm. to come forth and share, you know what, I'm struggling. You know, we're expected to be heroes, um, not to be able to, to to deal with those issues that we're exposed to, and just the fear, you know, the fear of my livelihood. Sure. You know, if I come forward... Sure. Do I appear weak? If I come forward, is that my badge and my gun? Yeah. What is my family going to think if I come forward? What are my peers going to think? So the, the the stress of that alone, I keep a lot of police officers from coming forward. And a lot of times they use uh, difficult, uh, they use other means to, uh, to cope with that. Right. Or are, are not great. What do you think can lead to a whole different set of situations? I think I had a, 
person remind me one time that denying something exists doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Your body, your emotions, it will deal with it if you're not dealing with it one way or the other. And I think it was really powerful what you just said again and interesting that reminding of that tension that a lot of people don't have when uh, they may have a mental health issue come about in their life where they're not they're not dealing with this idea that if I come forward with this, this can maybe in their minds cause me a promotion in the future. But even beyond that, not promotion in the future, maybe cost me my badge, maybe cost me my my livelihood. And with that fear and with all of that, do you find that even you've got already the stress you're dealing with and then you have that additional fear of losing your job? Does that just compound the issue? It compounds the issue, Um, the stress of, you know, like you just mentioned, my livelihood, Mm -hmm. the the, the stress of just the stress you deal with in general, being in law enforcement. You know, most guys, men and women in law enforcement, they want to serve. They want to help people. Sure. And you realize that when you get in a profession, a lot of your contact is negative. Yeah. So you take that to factor in the trauma that you're exposed to. You factor in, you know, right now in the law enforcement community, the, the, the negativity around our profession, the mental aspect of people that want to serve and you know, have people that a lot of people that has animosity towards your profession. So sure. you're dealing with that. Then you sure. tackle your home life because mm. at the end of the day, you still have to walk into the house and be a husband or a mother or a father. Um, things of that nature compound it with the things you do on a regular basis. And there's something really unique about law enforcement. Not always, but I could say that probably most of the cases when you interact with law enforcement, it's already a stressful moment. Maybe not necessarily a bad moment, but if a law enforcement officer shows up to help for a medical call or whatever, maybe you engage people in some of, if not the most stressful parts of their life. And for too many people, myself included, a lot of their idea of what law enforcement does is developed by whatever they take in from the culture around them or the media around them, whether it's because they've watched way too many police shows or whether they've read something on the Internet or whatever it might be. Talk about what, like, maybe if there is, there's probably not a typical day other than stress for a police officer, but some of the types of things they can encounter in a day. They'll take a toll on them mentally. Uh, I'll give you an example, uh, a scenario I had a couple of years, years, years ago. Um, you know, I stopped a guy who had uh, uh, had a warrant uh, for mm-hmm. his arrest um, for failure to pay some, some fines. This had been five, six years ago. I get him stopped. He got kids in a car, right? They're on their way to King's Dominion, right? And now father with kids in a car has to be arrested and go to jail. Now imagine as a yes. person, as a human yes. being, right? You know, you got this individual who, who is wanted for failure to pay fines, but he has his kids in a, in a car. They want to take a trip for a family vacation, but now father has to be arrested. So those things weigh on you as a person, as a yes. human being. Yes. Because you're law yeah. enforcement doesn't mean that you don't feel have compassion have for people. Yeah. So. Yeah. You got police across the country. They're dealing with situations like that. A mom who may be on drugs and now they have to arrest mom, but now the kids have to go in foster care. So th- those things that you're dealing with. So those things, once again, you're, you're a human being at the same time, you know, you're dealing with crack car c- crashes, things like that fatalities that you're dealing with, where you have to oh do my. notifications and things like that. Those things don't go away. You remember those moments where you're sitting with there with families in those difficult times, um, and you have compassion for them as they, they grieve, you know. So those are the things that police officers are dealing with on a regular basis. And anyone listening to this, they can automatically – I love it when we're talking to someone and you can hear passion. You don't have to see it. You can hear it. If you're, yes. if you're in the studio, yeah. you can see the passion too. And I think the passion is clear because you care about other people. But um, I don't know if you remember the old Hair Club for Men commercial where yes. he said, I'm not only the owner, I'm a client. Yes. You know, and that was his yeah. way of saying this is why you should consider this. Yeah. I, I don't mean to make light of this, but you're not just an owner of this idea of we need help. But you're a client. You're someone at some 
some point in your life who've dealt with this stress and needed uh, help on your own. Can you share us a little bit your fight for that? Yeah, uh, 2016, uh, May 6, uh, 17th, 2016, I'd, I went out of work for six months. Um, I was struggling for the same things I'm talking about right now, uh, trauma from uh, fatalities um, that I worked. You know, I had it's 2016, and I'm having nightmares of things that happened in 2007. Mm. Now, mind you, during this time, I had never thought about these things. What happened was I suppressed those moments. Yeah. And so during a four-month period of time, I was involved in traumatic events back to back to back to back to back. And one day I was at work and uh, I was saying, I just can't give it. I can't do it anymore. I had nothing enough to give to my to myself, to the community at that point. I was just tapped out and exhausted. And um, at that point, I knew that I needed to take, get some help. Right. And you've already, a, can I just interject? And I know this is not to the level that you've dealt with, but very recently, like about three weeks ago, we have a daughter in Charlotte who's a 911 operator and little kids, and she just has a new baby. Little kids called because their daddy had a heart attack. And they're, and, and of course, our daughter is talking to the kids and trying to calm them down until the paramedics and stuff get in there. And their daddy died. Yeah. Oh, wow. And Stephanie's trying to calm them. And so I get that, not to the degree that you are daily, I know. But it just reminded me when you said that, because it stayed with her, man. She'll talk about it three weeks later, you know? So, yeah, you're right. I think one of the things that you've already alluded to is this reality. We literally cannot compartmentalize our lives. We can't. We, we can't. We can't. Listen. Well, that's just our work stress, uh, and in your particular case, it's very significant stress, and not feel like that it bleeds into those other places in our life. That it's just affecting me, yes. or even the lie that it's just affecting my job. Right? Sometimes people go, "Okay, well, it's just affecting me and my job," but it's not so. You have family. You have people around you uh, yes. that care, yeah. and um, it, it has significant effect on other members, especially in the law enforcement community. Correct? That's correct. Um, see, I think sometimes we fail to realize. Law enforcement is a family business. It's not about the police officer, just him or her. It's a family business. Everything that happens with the profession affects the entire family, affects the kids, affects the marriage. You know, there's many holidays that you're missing, birthdays that you're missing, natural disasters when you're your family's out at home by themselves, sure. but you're out in the public trying to assist and help the public, but you're leaving your family behind. So those things like that affect the family. Um, the way you parent um, it affects everything that you do. You know, being mm. a law enforcement officer, uh, having a teenager, I remember my daughter started to drive and started to drive and had friends started to drive. Now that's going to cause some trauma. Trauma, right? <laughs> being, being exposed to the things I've witnessed, it took me a hard time allowing her to be able to ride with other teenagers in a car. Sure. And that comes sure. from my profession. Absolutely. So I had to try to figure out a balance there. But it affects everything that you do. And it, like I said, it affects your parenting and affects everything that you do. And the family is affected by it. And, and sometimes you have this, this perception that if I keep work at work and home at home, it's going gonna, it's gonna to solve the issue. I'm protecting my family. Well, that's false. Yeah. When you yeah. don't let your spouse in, the Bible, for me, the Bible says that uh, your wife is your helpmate or your yeah. husband. That's the person you need to re- rely on and lean on. And sometimes we protecting Amen. them. And when we don't do those things, it affects them as well. Yes. And they suffer from it. Yeah, yes. the, the name of this show is called Good News for the City. And the idea of that title, the good news is the gospel. And, and, and sometimes I almost want to say that the title should be expanded, right? Because when we think city, we think of generalized people we don't know. 
but it's good news for every part of our life. And so Amen. almost like today, Amen. we could say the title of this episode should be good news for our vocation and your particular Amen. vocation uh, needed this idea of the good news coming in. Would you share how your faith sustained you in your difficulty and your time of struggle and how knowing that, that Jesus loved you and cared about you made a difference that maybe other people, they need to know that. Um, it was huge because um, at the time I was going through my situation, remind I was a chaplain. Um, I was leading a men's boys ball group. I was very active in the church. I was doing ministry. But there came a time during my situation where I sat in my closet and I was begging the Lord to remove these images because if I would be honest with you right now, um, no one's exempt. You know, I, I thought about, um, you know, taking my own life. And it wasn't that I did want to die. Um, I love Jesus. I love my family. But it's like I was so tired of the torture hmm. that I was experiencing through the nightmares, not being able to sleep six and seven days and and just the trauma of it, having anxiety to go to sleep. Because when I close my eyes, I see these images. And I remember sitting in my closet and just praying to Jesus. He take these things away. But my faith, uh, just being t- spending time with my scripture, having uh, brothers and sisters uh, of the faith walking alongside me. But one of the things I was looking at as I was looking at Ezekiel um, chapter 37, verse one through 10, as I'm reading that story. Um, just watching how, how, how the Lord can bring, breathe new life in things that appear to be hopeless. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there's a process that Ezekiel had to go through for them, them bones to, 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 to stand up to be a great army. Can, can I walk you through that really quick, real Sure, step? yeah. Um, step number one, right? God asked him, do he believe these bones could live, right? Yeah. Do I believe that the Lord can pull me out of this situation? I believed. Then he asked Ezekiel, would he prophesy obedience, right? Do mm-hmm. you believe? I believe. Do you obey? What, Lord, what do you want me to do next? Yeah. Go out there and tell my fellow brothers and sister in blue about this, this uh, traumatic thing that's happened and speak on it. Well, there was a process that had to take place. One, bones came together. If you look at the scriptures, right? Two, tendons and flesh appeared. Three, skin covered them. Four, there was still no breath. Five, Ezekiel prophesied with the Lord instructed. Six, breath came into them. Seven, these bones lived. Eight, they stood up a great army. But there was a process that these bones sure. had to go through. Sure. Which at one point felt hopeless. Yes. And that's where I was yes. at. So there was a process that the Lord had to take me through. Oh, that's good. It was difficult. It that's was good, hard. Man. It was hard on me. And I was like, Lord, why me? Why me? What did I do to deserve this? But it was a purpose. Yeah. And I had to go through the process, and the process has led me here right here today. And that's such a great word that God doesn't always work in the way we want him to. He works in the way we need him to. Amen. Right? In yes. the fact that he doesn't waste our process. He doesn't waste our pain. It doesn't mean that he, there, it doesn't mean that he invited the pain or wants the pain, but he promises us in the middle of whatever pain it may be, certainly the type of pain we're talking about now and struggling with mental health, that he is going to redeem it. And if we allow him to work through that process, he will make us more like Jesus through that process. Amen. Uh, amen. And I think that, man, uh, we could just stop the, stop the show right now and just an amen on that preaching. But we got a few more minutes. I want to, I want to ask a couple questions as you get a chance to go out and to travel and to speak um do you just see some common themes over and over again as you interact with officers that they seem to be struggling with or going through i ask that one so that as our listeners if they're not someone who's in law enforcement they can be aware of how they could come alongside and help and encourage one well i think one of the biggest things that um police officers that I've, I've, the the model theme that i've heard across the country as i travel and speak and talk to a police officers is just that the 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 fear of the stigma and and some of the things that they deal with which a lot of police officers suffer from anxiety yeah a lot of them are taking antidepressants a lot of them suffer with panic attacks 
Um, a, a lot of them, um, because of the, the isolation, um, uh, they, they isolate themselves away amongst their, their family. A lot of them start to deal with anger issues that they don't even know they have and don't know where it's coming from. But it's coming from the suppression of the trauma, because at the end of the day, we are human beings. Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 but what happens is because of the trauma, they compound and compound and compound. So these are some of the things that they're they're experiencing and their marriages, marriage is struggling. Because of these things that we're talking about and the families are su- suffering and, and one of the, the biggest things is the, the wives and they want to come alongside of their husbands and, and allow their husband to allow and let them in. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we can do um, in that is uh, acknowledge what we're dealing with. It's okay not to be okay. Mm. That's the thing. It's okay not to be okay. We have this perception that if I'm, if I say I'm not, uh, not okay, then I'm a pure weakness. No, that's strength. Yeah. There's strength in that. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, some of the things that I experience as I travel. And one of the things in Scripture says, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. For, for those of us who Amen. struggle with the wrong idea of where we get our strength from, that's a hard thing to swallow. But the reality is all of our strength as believers come from Jesus Christ. And uh, when that was written, it reminds you that in the middle of our greatest weakness, we can be strong, not because of anything that we have, but what Jesus can do through Amen. us. Amen. We have this happen a lot. Either people hear the hear the show uh, you know, in the car or they get it passed to them on a podcast and they go, oh, Oh, man, this is great. This really connects with where I'm at or someone that I know can really connect with that. So if there's someone that happens to be an officer or an officer's family right now or know of an officer and, and they're where, hey, this is this is probably real because mm-hmm. let's just be honest, especially in anger and anxiety and those sort of things. It's not new information to people once we come out with it. They've known it for a long time, right? That's great. Especially if, if you deal with anger and anxiety and you finally get the courage to say, I'm dealing with anger and anxiety, very few people who are close to us are going to go, I never realized that. I mean, they're aware of that. Sure. How can, especially around this very delicate issue for law enforcement, um, can the conversation sort of start around mental health? How would you encourage that? I would encourage the the, the officer um, – just to, to take an opportunity to really do a self-evaluation mm-hmm. and to be honest with themselves yeah, and allow their opportunity, their family to have an opportunity to be honest with them um, without being offensive because this could be life-saving for yeah. them. And, um, and then at the same time, um, I'll tell you, you watch a police officer the first day they on the job, look at them 10 years later, they're a different person mm. because of the amount of trauma they've been exposed to. Yeah. Um, you get to see sin up close and personal as it is. You get to see it right. for what it is. Up right. close and personal in the profession. Yeah. Well, you know, as a community, as a church, I hope that we're listening to this and that we make this choice. How have you seen the church and maybe in the last 30 seconds or so, how they can really come across and support brothers and sisters in Christ? One of the biggest things is prayer. Pray for your fellow police officers. Every time you see breaking news, remember there's a police officer responding to that crime scene. Mm. Yeah. That yeah. person's life may be forever changed based off the scene that they've experienced. So prayer, yeah. um, if you've got police officers in your church and community, love them. Love on them, not only them, their families. And, um, you know, have prayer sessions for them. Um, I think that's a huge and, and encouraging mm-hmm. thing the church can do and stand alongside police officers and their families. And if a family or officer needs help, they can go to the bluehelp.org, and that gives them a good place to start. Is that right? That's correct. They can go to bluehelp.org. There's uh, resources there. There's also an organization called The Bridge, First Responders, The Bridge. They can go on Facebook and follow that. Every year they put on a retreat that's free for all first responders and their families. If that's they come, cool. it's a three-day that's conference cool. that's free. It's in Columbus, Ohio, and oh, I'll be speaking mm-hmm. in June. I speak there on a regular occasion that you can come there free. All expenses paid for, and it's a place where they can provide, be provided healing and comfort and know that they're not alone. Yeah. Wow. Well, cool. Trooper McSellers, Michael, thank you very much for coming in studio and sharing. 
Um, we say this pretty often, but this is often the, this is the case again today. I wish we had more time to dig more into yeah, this. Yeah, very powerful. I mean, kind of sad, but very powerful. And I'm so grateful that y'all do what you do. And because it allows us to to be free. And I, here's the deal, though, man. I was just thinking when you said you pulled a guy over for this or this. <laughs> when I get pulled over, man, I never fight anything because I know I'm the one that just messed up, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Because, you know, I mean, I ain't going to fight anybody, right? Right, right. I don't yeah. have a fear of police officers like a lot of folk would because I just know Dennis just messed up, man. So yeah, and a story for a different it. time. I'll, I'll tell you about when I ran the red light recently on the, way to do, <laughs> on the way to do baptisms at church because I was running late. But that's for a different time and a different story. Oh, my. Folks, thank you so much, Trooper. God bless you, man. Thank you. Again, bluehelp.org. That's bluehelp.org. Tell your, uh, a person you might know, a police officer you might know, or, or their family to get that. Also, if you want more information to listen to this again, go to goodnewsforthecity.org. That's goodnewsforthecity.org or wava.com, keyword good news. Look under our podcast page. Again, wava.com, keyword good news. Or you can give me a call here at the station, 703-807-2266. God bless you, folks. Thank you for joining us. See you again next week. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. The gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, DC metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.